Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. People would say that the Craig Council deal to the Cubs is the biggest managerial change. No. Nope. Which we'll talk about. No. Obviously, on this pod. Cocaine Ron. That can't possibly be the most important one. <laughs> Cocaine Ron is back. It's only been like 10 years. It's kind of stunning. I mean, he's he's not a young guy. <laughs> no. No, he's not. He wasn't young 10 years ago. So let's give Craig Council for a minute. The the Astros, I think, are, are actually one of the most fascinating rostered or uh, managerial changes just because they it's kind of an unexpected time for managerial change oh right it's not not a usual time yeah uh, but it dusty baker was old sure and he had he had been brought on explicitly to try and soften their he said you don't yeah and i and he's like i don't have a i don't have forever so we'll see how long this i'm with you guys exactly um player turned manager i don't love this in in vote in cleveland here right and then I don't love that. And Mendoza to the Mets seem that seems fair. But I think again, Council is the high point here of this. Yeah, I I'm really curious about the the I, it is. I don't. I think Cleveland has had a lot more success over the last few years because of Terry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Than they're going to be able to have under just anybody. So I I agree with that. But then I was thinking about the rest of the division. It does seem like they. It does seem like they had a good op. They have a good opportunity. White Sox are in meltdown mode. Kansas City is always terrible. Your team is never going to really go balls to the wall. Yeah, Detroit is not good. So and De- 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 yeah, I guess Detroit is the one dark horse that might. But so it's just going to be. An, it's going to be another year of a dark horse or default team winning. Because come on, yeah. I'm I'm sorry, but the Twins winning was sort of like the default answer yeah and i think but i think i mean on paper i think cleveland's team is stronger right they have they have slightly better pieces on average i would say yeah no i i agree with that but i meant when i say default i mean more of like this team is projected to win just a couple games over 500 <laughs> we're, we're not projected to do anything more we're not really projected to do anything more than that and really to do less than that something catastrophic would have to happen so that's what I mean by the the default kind of answer. Cleveland could have been the default answer. Could have had a default site type season, but they had a couple things go wrong um, throughout the season. So this week we're going to dig into one of the data sets that was assembling itself over the course of the entire season, which was uh, Eric's ownership uh, numbers, ownership percentages scraper that was going over the whole season. I understand that you stopped it now, but we're just going to look at what we got before. Yeah, there's, I don't think that the off-season numbers are accurate until we get to, like, February. For multiple re- reasons, of course, right? Um, how many... You don't know how many dead leagues are yeah. accounted for in this, in any sort of data. And then also, I don't think that... Like, we're grabbing this from fan graphs. I don't know if they know or care what their 
posting between now and February 1st. Definitely not. Although it's funny because when you look at, when you look at the NFBC website, they, they care about ownership. They care about draft position and they seem to always have some number of draft positions going on. Yeah, they do. There's constantly drafts. Yeah. Let's start kind of going through this stuff then. Awesome. Do you... So I've got this script. So I've got this Jupyter Notebook that I've shared with you that has a bunch of things that I like to look at. And um, I haven't made this super pretty, so there's no more, like, markdown (laughs) to explain the different code blocks, which could happen um, here eventually. But what I decided to do is take the beginning of I had last week was actually the script typically runs where I have today and then last week. And so it says over the last seven days, what what's changed instead of that, I've changed it to look at first day of the season. Well, three 31 to, um, 10 Oh one. So last day of the season. And I I've got some metrics that come out, and I do a delta in terms of ownership, and then I take a look at the highest climbers. Those are the top 10 players uh, who have largest ownership changes and the biggest fallers uh, from that date to the mm-hmm. next date. So highest climbers, hey, what an appropriate day to talk about number two here, but Lane Thomas, <laughs> Isaac Paredes, Zach Eflin, Jonah Heim, Bryce Elder, Mitch Keller, Ellie De La Cruz, Justin Steele, Kyle Bradish and Spencer Steer. And these are and these are really absolute. So they're not even they're not even normalized. I mean, you're you're really telling me the guys that went from smallest percentage to biggest percentage. Yes, this is delta. This okay. is just straight up delta ownership from um, three thirty one to ten oh one. No, not. I think not. every one of these I can make sense of, except for maybe Kyle Bradish. I was surprised Kyle Bradish showed up as well. So if you take a look. Kyle Bradish. I mean, up in the eighties. Yeah, uh, he started the season down to zero. So, yeah. so that's why. I, even if you don't get to ninety, you, it's still a huge change. I think what I think is really interesting. So the other thing that you have here is the plot. You basically have the end of last year's season on these as well, right? Mm-hmm. And one yep. of the things that I find is really interesting are these guys that clearly did something at the end of last season. You know, I'm looking at. Like, let's just start at Lane Thomas, right? Lane Thomas has some zeros last season, but he gets up to almost 20% at the end. Yep. And then he starts starts low again, and then he shoots up. And that's that's a pretty common trend here. A bunch of these guys saw some play last year. Yeah, Isaac Paredes had his, had his bump in the middle of the summer and then yeah. decline. And then this year, similar bump in the middle <laughs> in, the, in the spring and then decline and then back up. But he's he's got what I would call I, I think that there are kind of characteristic curves here that both Isaac Paredes and a guy like Zach Eflin hit, which is they have a steep rise at the beginning and then a flattening out as they sort of reach this like saturation. Okay, look, you're never going to get above eighty percent ownership. <laughs> like you're just not that valuable. Yeah, yeah, you're going to a certain point. There's a limiting the a limiting number that you just don't quite know. Yeah, and most most of these guys. Most of these guys have one of those, with the exception of guys like on your list that you mentioned, like Ellie De La Cruz. You know that guy—that was a guy that that nobody knew that he was going to play in the MLB, and then he comes out of nowhere and 
Right. But even he, I mean, what's what's interesting, a lot of these guys, so who's the Justin Steele ends the season of the and Spencer Steer end the season as the highest owned of the two of all of them? Yeah. I Justin Steele's gotta be number one. But a, a lot of these had a little bit of cooling off at the end of the season. You know, just that it, a, a little bit of that sophomore slumpish kind of thing where it's like down the down the end of the season is like okay, I I'm falling apart here. I got I got nothing. Yeah, I think. But but some of these I mean some of these guys ran straight to the end. Kyle Bradish, Spencer Steer, they got high high values all the way up to yeah. the last day. Jonah Heim, no, no. <laughs> Jonah Heim is the guy that does cool say. off for sure at the end of the season. Man, Spencer Steer, I I wouldn't have had him in this. I wouldn't have realized that he had had that much of a, of a change. I think the guys that I'm. Right. Ranking surprise, I would say Kyle Brader, Spencer Steer, Isaac Paredes. I mean, a guy that uh, I guess he has kind of the, one of the lowest ceilings on here. Lane Thomas, I only know because I owned him because I needed an outfielder last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the biggest fallers? The biggest fallers are always so depressing. But yeah, give us the list. Sure. Who we got the biggest the biggest fallers were Jacob deGrom, Nolan Arenado, Shane McClanahan, Emmanuel Classe, Alec Manoa. Julio Urias, Hugh Darvish, Mike Trout, Max Scherzer, and Sandy Alcantara. The only guy that's interesting yeah. on this list is Alec Manoa. Mm-hmm. Because every, every, he wants to play. Everybody yeah. else doesn't really want to play. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is my Well, Jacob deGrom was crying. He wants to play, but it's like, come on, his yeah. body does not want him to yeah. play. It's a little bit different. But these, I mean, these curves are shocking because they're all... 100%. They'll go down to zero. To so zero. I don't know if there's some normalization here that was done in the data in the way that it's presented. But I know that these are injury guys near the end of the season. Yeah. And Manoa's injury or sad. Manoa, I think, is the I would it'd be interesting to me to try and select guys that look more like Alec Manoa. Basically that have like a slope over time. Physically? <laughs> There, I mean, CC Sabathia. Uh, okay, done with list. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> no, Lance Lynn. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's like, we got two. Um, Bartolo Colon. Oh, Bartolo Colon. Um, I but, think he'd end up in that cluster. But Alec Manoa is a guy who Wells. Wells. Wells is the is the archetype for that. Uh, Old Clemens. Yeah, Manoa. I mean, we we really didn't talk enough about his season, and if we had owned him in TGFBI, we would have been absolutely wringing our hands over what to do because Alcantara was bad. Would Sandy, we? Sandy what, was it? bad, right? And we still were like, "What do we do? What do we do?" Manoa was like next level bad, where everybody knew you had to get rid of him. We would have dropped him earlier. I mean, it's the thing yeah. with Sandy. Sandy gave us a. F- he gave us a lot of innings of four and a half ERA and not quite nine Ks per innings. And it was like, yeah. what do we do with this guy? Because every once in a while I'd have like just a glimpse where he'd, he'd do pretty well. I don't know. It would have been maybe in a TGFBI that would have been better to just been like, wow, this guy is going to the minors. Done. He's done. All right. So this next list is looking specifically at the change in projections because I started grabbing. Instead of just ownership, mm-hmm. I'm grabbing the projections for players and i'm grabbing the ownership data from the rest of the season projections so i get to see over the course of the season like how much has the straight line how much has the straight line changed mm-hmm. from the, the beginning of the season let's just say someone was predicted to do 130 130 and yep. you know we're getting halfway through the season and they're at 42 15 
60 and 10. You know, oh, okay. So we're right on with home runs. We're a little bit behind on runs. We're a little bit over on RBIs. We're way behind on stolen bases. You get to you get to watch this. So what I've done is I've ta- I've grouped together certain statistics that I thought were so it's runs plus RBIs because I just come on it's, <laughs> it's easier to just say like hey is this is this guy gonna get get to two hundred runs plus RBIs and really be like oh wow he's way over in runs and oh wow he's way under in RBIs it's because yeah. he's batting fourth instead of second you know right here then home runs plus stolen bases similar idea of like I don't want to hear the noise and the um in the Freddie Freeman's, yeah. you know, going, going hog on stolen bases when that directly means he's getting fewer home runs and really directionally like Pete Alonzo is going to get 45 and five. It doesn't yeah. really matter if he gets four uh, 41 and nine, you know, yeah. it's like the same number, right? Yeah. So aggregating these up, what I've done then is I go through and I try to find the biggest deltas between the, and in the way that we're looking at this now mm-hmm. is the preseason number versus what uh, what we have positive positive deltas. Yeah. So the players that we ended up noting are Estuary Ruiz, Brent Rooker, C.J. Abrams, Ronald Acuna Jr., Nolan Jones, Willie Castro, Corbin Carroll, Michael Garcia. Just want to say Mar- Michael Gorbachev, Ryan O'Hearn, uh, Mike Talkman, and Jake Berger. The, is that astounding or what ronald acuna jr did he had really good projections at the beginning of the year he blew through those so much that he's in a list with players like willie castro who wasn't expected to play this season (laughs) yeah yeah i mean yeah the good guys on this list are really interesting like the fact that corbin carroll's on this list is also super compelling right because because people were really high on corbin carroll and he exceeded that. Yeah. Estrella well. Ruiz, to some extent, similar, similar. But, I mean, you only have to look at the ownership. Well, Estuary Ruiz was like, yeah, I, I thought that the preseason, no one knew what to do with Oakland preseason, and someone had to get at bats there. And <laughs> Estuary Ruiz was batting first. We've talked about him way more than he deserves to be talked about because he's, it, I mean, if he was on a good team, who would he bat? Would Six, he just pinch hit? Seven. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess everyone would be batting him nine because they'd be like, maybe he'll do something before the number one guy comes up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you make, you make a good point. I mean, but to your point about Ronald Acuna Jr., I mean, you only have to look at the ownership graphs to be like, something's one of these is not like the others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of the guys, it is sort of interesting. You've got um, Estuary Ruiz. He goes from last year, he maxed out of like 25% ownership. Ended up the year at like zero, and then this this year he started the season in thirty percent owned because everybody was like, "Hey, you might as well." And then he he didn't really end the season that high. He's in forty five or something yeah. like that. Brent Rooker, I mean, had a, a nice period in uh, I guess May. He had a good May, um, and then <laughs> fell back to earth. C.J. Abrams had a a decent second half. Ronald Cunha was 100% on the entire year. Most of these guys do not end a season that high, which I guess that's really telling us more about what their projections looked like than how good slash ownable they really are for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, none of these guys are – Well, I mean, Jake Berger. Is Jake Berger going to do – what's he going to do next year? 
Uh, well, Jake Burke, I mean, okay, but you picked an interesting one. I mean, Mike Taukman, who cares, right? Ryan O'Hearn, Mike Yeah, Harris, just yeah. Uh, Mike Taukman, just know he's, he's at, but if you go back to, if you think about this in, in the context of the first one we did, the highest climbers, these are the graphs that you saw last year. Yeah. It, no, no. If you're looking at the highest climbers, you're seeing like this Willie Castro graph doesn't look that dissimilar from like, um, the, who was it? Uh, the the Lane Thomas one, yeah. right? So no, I agree. Could could Willie Castro be next year's Lane Thomas? Is this going to identify some some guys like that? And and honestly, that's that's a great point because guys like Lane Thomas are a real value point in drafts. Mm-hmm. Like because at some point you're going to have to own a guy like that. I mean, okay, so I'm looking at these. I guess my general perspective on graphs like this is that if there was a peak where 40% of guys thought he was ownable at some point during the season, that's worth investigating going forward. I mean, I'm looking at Nolan Jones, like at some point he was 60% owned. It seems like, it seems like it would be a mistake not to consider him again this year, even if his projections come out, not super hot. So who are you going to take? Which, which one? In terms of guys who are going to, I would say are going to have the most sure fantasy value next year. I'd pick CJ Abrams. CJ Abrams. Yeah. Okay. Does that mean I get the field? No, that is not a fair. I would say if okay. you gave me if you gave me Abrams and Nolan Jones, I would let you have the field. Okay. Ah, uh, that man. That's we should probably snake draft this. Can we snake draft it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, yeah, Nolan Jones was the one that I was hoping would slip to me. I if I can take Nolan Jones and Jake Berger. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Berger is the obvious third one there. I would say of those, give me those. Like, think about those three guys. Everyone else on this list, I could kind of forget get about but but that said somebody in the rest of that field is going to do something interesting this year mm-hmm. we just don't know who okay well you take wait which one did you you take cj abrams no, i'll take um oh, oh what <laughs> yeah okay you take okay you take cj abrams and nolan jones i'll take the field um not including corbin carroll and and ronald Coon jr all right okay on the pitching side those are all hitters those are all just yeah. the hitters um Oh man, I you know the more that I think about it, that you got Nolan Jones is he's gonna be he's gonna be tops. He's a twenty twenty player. You know how much of a boner I have for twenty twenty. I know he's, he's your guy. Okay, so interesting plus pitchers. So I um, wins plus saves. <laughs> Why not? Uh, innings pitched and K's were the were the groupings that I that I had here. So. Players that came out from that, J.P. France, Alexis Diaz, Griffin Canning, Johan Aviado, Carlos Estevez, Will Smith. Will Smith. So two World Series, two years, two different teams. That's the... Good for Will Smith. And a Grammy. <laughs> and an Oscar. What is... <laughs> He's got everything. Uh, Dane Dunning, Taj Bradley, Andrew Abbott, Adbert Alzole. <laughs> As you can tell, he's not someone I was tracking. Bryce Elder, Craig Kimbrell, I know them. Well, but but the Adbert Elzele is the is Cubs closer flirtation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's not it's not all it's not all closer options here, but it's not not which is, which is kind of what you <laughs> would ex, which is kind of what you would expect, right? Yeah, it it had the biggest movement, right? Yeah, that yeah is it. Getting saves is like the biggest number to change things. So I mean, I guess if you're going from Bryce Elder of having like zero assumed K's to having a lot, Bryce Elder, I I, I like him. 
needs to strike out more players. I, I think I think Bryce Elder is going to get better. I mean, I, I would almost exclude Bryce Elder from the con from the rest of the conversation because I think he's I think he's him and Alexis Diaz are kind of the guys that are like differently valuable from the rest of these. Yeah. Like yeah. they're they're kind of in I guess I mean I no, I wouldn't even I mean Carlos Estevez has large ownership, but I wouldn't even I wouldn't put him in the same class as Diaz and Elder. Mm-hmm. No, Craig, I wouldn't either. And Craig Kimbrell is just because he's got had name recognition and he got a job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So then we're down. Who are we down to? We're down to talking about Abbott. Yeah. France, which we've talked about a lot. Yep. Canning. Aviato. I mean, we don't have to talk about Will Smith either. Which starting pitcher would you take? Full stop. I think I think Bryce Elder is the most compelling guy. If you take Elder, I'll take the field. <laughs> I feel of starting pitchers, field of starting pitchers, of starting pitchers. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll accept that. Yeah. I I am Bryce I am, I am quite confident in Bryce Elder. And this is again preseason ranking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I feel like JP France is going to or one of one of these guys is going to just everyone's going to say this is a darling this year. It it's def it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. Okay. Who's the best at the end of the season? I I I think I'm banking on level heads prevailing i because i do think bryce elder is the best at the end of the season and i think that he'll be rewarded <laughs> alexis diaz is i mean is the is the other dangerous one on this list but I, could, yeah i i think i think cooler heads will prevail and i think elder is the right guy okay i'll take the field i get the field sure. Sure. how many starts do you need to have 29 29 starts yeah i think that's right 29 starts all right all right that about brings us to the review session Isaac Paredes, is that how we pronounce it? Don't know. Don't know. The Pleiades, Pleiades are the constellation? What is the constellation? That, Pleiades. 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 Isaac Pleiades? <laughs> um, if, if we, I mean, he's getting a lot of mentions today on the pod. Have we ever we mentioned haven't. him before? No. Exactly. Okay. So, amazingly, this was his fourth season. He even played in 2020 for the tigers okay 2023 though i would say season that proves that he's actually here 143 games 571 plate appearances he's on the raise by the way uh 71 <laughs> runs 31 home runs 98 rbis 20 hit by pitches and one stolen base <laughs> 250 average sorry um if you drafted him you got a good deal <laughs> like a really good deal you did yeah if you held on to him uh, haven't haven't looked at his game logs. Was he was he bad at the beginning? No, I mean just like there's so Rays players. There's so many that just cycled through in the first quarter of the season. Well, so he hit four home runs in April, four home runs in May. So he's basically June was a big month. Uh, July he hit eight home runs. August. So you, you did want him later in the season. So you, I mean, your point about like maybe people dropped him. Well taken. They did. Actually. They did. We have the ownership graph right here for once. That's um, <laughs> he he was. He was down to like twenty five percent owned uh, on May Day, and then it climbed back up in fits and starts. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember it. I had a conversation about with uh, with someone about who should who should they pick up, and I was like, pick up a Ray. I don't know, pick pick one probably. <laughs> pick up a Ray. Um, I, pick a Ray, any Ray. Yeah, I think he. Does does he replicate this next year? Because 20, 2022, 20 home runs, pretty good. 
nothing, I mean, nothing super to write home about. 205 average. I mean, his average has exploded this year. Should we trust that? I guess is the big question. His average? Yeah. So I'm looking at his BABIP. Okay. His BABIP was 257 this year. So it's not crazy. But he does seem like he's a little bit bigger guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One he's, stolen base. Yeah, but what is his weight? 213. 5'11", 213. Holy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. A bowling ball going through here. Yeah. Listed so, as, yeah. I don't know. So 250 seems achievable. That's why he's racking up the hit by pitches. His isolated power is 238. It, looking at looking at the batting order for the Rays, did he oh, have a isolated power? I should go. I, yeah, yeah. I said the isolated power. 200 is the line where it goes from from like pretty good guys. Yeah. For in terms of power, to elite. So yes. 238. That's a lot yeah. of power that he has. So that power wise, I don't think that this is this is actually anything to. I think that's legitimate. I, I'm not the, the I power don't think, numbers. I don't think the home runs are at. I don't think the home runs are at issue here. I think the home. I think he's really developed into the home runs. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's just does he keep does he keep that average up enough to not drag you down? I mean, ninety eight RBIs this year, over ten. And does he stay in the batting the batting order? Sorry, I and I had well, I had interrupted you. The batting order is is actually. I mean, you look at the race. It's like nothing makes sense, right? It's. No, you're not going to be able to. The only thing you can say is that they're not batting him in the top two, really, because they they bat him three, they bat him four, they bat him five. I mean, they mostly batted him five this year, and then they had a big shuffle. And and later in the season, four. he went to fourth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we we all know why that is. It's because their number two hitter was not on the team anymore. Yeah, or not traveling with the team anymore. I mean, I think I think I think they would like him to be a five. I don't know. I think that they might take him as as number four because the guy they don't. I, I don't think Harold Ramirez is going to be a top four guy. And then the Josh Lowe, Brandon Lowe thing, pick a low, any low, which low today <laughs> is going to be in the top. And then Randy and Yandy is Yandy there. How how much longer is Yandy there? Randy Yandy the lows. <laughs> this team is like <laughs> pretty easy to put together. Just double it up. <laughs> double everything up. Uh yeah yeah, are you saying you think Yandy's going to disappear? I, I don't I don't know how much longer Yandy's going to be there. I I mean I I take I take no Ray for granted in whatsoever. <laughs> I mean again let's let's point out Peretti's twenty four. I mean he's ah uh, he's really young yeah super cheap. This is going to be this is going to be a good guy. He's going to be a he's going to be he's going to be a guy that neither of us is going to be able to own because he's going to disappear from the board early really early. I think he is. Someone's going to be bullish on him, but then is it, there's like it's the it's a Patriot running back situation. It's like, do I really want to invest in a in a Ray when I know that they're just going to jerk him his time around? Do you see? Around. Do you see this spray chart too? It's great. <laughs> I mean, depend, it depends what you mean by great. Like I pull all everything. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He he is able to go oppo. Look, at he his... doesn't. He doesn't hit for power. Okay. He, okay. Every but he can go. He can he can get all over the field. He would be you'd be the worst player if they traded him to Boston. He would be Why? Just, he'd be just knocking doubles straight into the monster. <laughs> that's that it. would be great. All no, those players runs, all of his home runs. No, gone. you're you're thinking about it all wrong. The first home run that I look at is a is a home run over the monster. He is not lacking for power. He would be great 
his exit barrel. Wow, his exit velocity isn't that high. That's interesting. Yeah, his hard hit is low too. That's very surprising because he these home runs that I, that I just watched a few of really cranking them. Oh, it's it's an average thing, man. Because yeah. when he goes oppo, does he like? Wow, he just like placed that ball. How did he do that? There it is. Yeah. Oh, wow. So his average exit. He's We don't want to look at his average exit velocity. We want to look at his max exit velocity because he. That is like the exact. He he just gave the like kind of the kind of swing that is like I don't know. You don't even know what you're doing when you make that swing. You just know it's like I'm trying to go the opposite way, and I want to like just mem- muscle memory. Man, this guy's good. His max EVs are good. Yeah, I think again, you look good real, in a Twins uniform. <laughs> real steal at this part of the draft. I mean, remember we are talking about guys in draft order. So, wow. What do we want to? What what do we want to do the over under on? I think. Or I think the... Well, I, I think we should do two. I think we should do one on an actual stat and then one on trying to guess just where he's going to get drafted. Um, I think his average okay batting order position okay will be between three point eight and four point two five. Oof, I think I think it's lower than that. I think his average is lower. I think his average is larger than four point. So what? Are you, okay, so can we set the over under? What are we? Four point six? How do you round? No, it's got it's got to be south of four point five for me. Four point five. Okay, man. So you get four point five one. Yeah. Fine. I'll take at south of four. Okay. Um, and then draft draft position. I think we need to say. Oh, we should probably have a game. I really that is a games dependent one. He needs to have at least for for mine to be yeah uh, at least 140 games. Okay, how many games did you get this year? You got 143 games. Okay, 135. Who are we doing next week? Garrett Cooper. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Wish to luck to you too. Yeah!